0: How is everyone doing this morning? Oh, that was, that was wonderful. So I'm assuming you're doing that good so because you're loving Jesus. Amen. Come on. How many of you are really madly in love with Jesus this morning? Come on. Isn't he amazing? Oh, I just can't get over how good Jesus is. You know, it's, uh, he could have easily sat there and just, when sin entered the world, Jesus would have been totally justified. God been justified in going, and just squishing us all. And he says, I'm starting over from scratch. Right? But he says, nah, he's like, I'm going to provide something named, someone named Jesus. He says that Jesus was slain from the foundations of the world. Isn't that great? Yeah. Before God created Adam and Eve, he knew they were going to mess up. He goes, that's okay. I have a provision for that. Yeah. So no matter what you're facing today, that's okay. Jesus has a provision for that. Yeah. If God could Come up with something before he even created Adam and Eve who were going to create problems for us. He came up with a solution. He has a solution for your problem today. Isn't that good? I yeah. want you to love it that you have a God. who just knows everything about you, everything that's going on. and just says, I got a solution for that. All thing you got to do is turn to me. Isn't that great? Yeah. Not me, Jesus. <laughs> right. But uh, who knows what, sun, what day today is? It's baptism Sunday. That's why we got the water tank, right? Yeah? No? You guys see it? Yeah, I'm not the only one, you guys noticed that? Okay, so after uh, service, uh, not after service, actually part of the service, we're gonna be baptizing people, be a part. At the end of the message, don't go away, we're gonna be baptizing people, we guys want all to be uh, a part of it because baptism is a massive part of our Christian walk, isn't it? It's not just a little thing, a little, little, little dabble, do you, a little sprinkling of water, you know, no, no. Baptism is actually, the Greek word baptism, baptismo means to be fully immersed. Isn't that great? Fully immersed, right in there till the bubble stops, then we pull you up. No, no. No. In fact, the oldest, did you know one of the oldest references to baptism is in a recipe? Do you know that? One of the oldest references in the ancient world of baptism is actually in a recipe book for pickling pickles. Seriously. That's one of the oldest references. He was saying that you would baptize, baptize the pickle in boiling, or the cucumber in boiling water and pull it out and then put it in vinegar. And it says you would baptize it in vinegar. So really, so what God's trying to tell us is you'll come out, come to church a cucumber, and you're going to come out a dill, right? You're, you're the same, but not quite the same, right? Like you're still the thing, but you're no longer the thing. Right, you know what I'm saying? Right, like it's, there's a transformation process that happens in the midst of baptism. Right, so God wants to take you a cucumber and make you a deal. No, I love it. It doesn't happen overnight, you know, but but with God, it does happen overnight. Isn't it awesome? Right, so baptism... And sometimes in, 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 our, in our modern Christianity, we think it's, I heard it explained this way. When I got baptized, I was not given and done any favors by my definition of baptism that was introduced to me. They said, it's a symbol of your dedication to Christ, which it is. That's all that was left at. It's just an outward expression of what you happen on the inside, of the washing, which it is. But how many of you realize it is so much more than that? Oh, it is so much more than that. So I got baptized, uh, I was looking through some old pictures and I found my baptism picture. And uh, I was embarrassed a little bit because I wore the shirt that said, this is terrible. <laughs> just, I maybe I shouldn't tell you what the shirt said. But I don't know why I just went down that rabbit that trail. I wore this shirt that said, I'm not insensitive. I don't, don't give a, you know? <laughs> I wore that shirt at my baptism. All right, it just gives you an idea of what I came out of. You know, that was me the cucumber, yeah. right? That was John the Cucumber that came out of deal. You know, that shirt went out the trash afterwards. You know, praise the Lord. It's long gone now, praise Jesus. You know? Oh, it's so good. You know, but it really serves a greater purpose than just a prophetic picture. It is a massive prophetic picture. There's something massively prophetic about it. Because I don't believe that this water has any magical properties. You know? It, it doesn't. You know, like it's the same way how uh, uh, the anointing oil that we use, it doesn't have any... The oil itself doesn't have any supernatural properties. But it's the faith and the act, the obedience put behind it that releases the power of God. Yeah. The same thing with baptism. The water itself is just water from that tap right there. I mean, if this water had some kind of supernatural power, I would be the first one to be bottling and selling it on eBay. You know? We have one particular minister. I think he does that with his Russian spring water. Listen, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing about water that is supernatural in terms of just the fact that god created it yes but the water is just water but it's when we submerge someone under water when we plop them down into it and we pull them back up something supernatural takes place because of the faith of obe- and the obedience tie behind it so you can baptize someone you can literally just take them plop them in plop them out congratulations you were baptized and nothing happened because you're treating it as if it's just a symbol of something but baptism is a prophetic act that has tremendous power put behind it. And it will literally transform your life. Yes. If you allow it to, it will literally transform your life. It's so amazing. You know, and baptism is not relegated to a New Testament concept. Baptism was predates Christ. Baptism is in the Bible. Throughout the entire Bible, you see moments and figures and pictures of baptism and the power that it has, right? The one thing I love about the Old Testament, it's really made to be read, read not just as a storybook, but it's made to cause inward reflection, it's made you to have you make, create questions. It's made to have you ponder. It's made to create a jealousy on the inside of you for something greater, something better. In fact, even during Passover, there's literally, if you look at the, how Jews celebrate Passover, these, they have a little, their little book, you know, you know, the ordinances they got to follow and whatever else. There's literally a time where kids are supposed to ask questions. Isn't that amazing? Right, because the whole process of everything God does, that God institutes, it's supposed to create questions and curiosity on inside of us. And baptism is no different, right? You read throughout the Old Testament, you know, you'll see in the, uh, in Second Kings five, you know, the uh, the general Naaman, you know, he's a he's a Jew, and what does the prophet tell him to do? He's got leprosy. He says, "Go dip yourself in the river seven times." What was he doing? He's baptizing himself. Right, he was, literally, he was, he was baptizing himself. There's something prophetic and symbolic about it. Even in, in jo- uh, Jonah, Jesus actually makes reference to Jonah, saying the only sign you're going to have is Jonah. It's like it says, three days is in the belly of the whale. And Jesus actually makes reference to it of his resurrection, of baptism and resurrection. Right? You even read through uh, Moses, you know, when he was a baby. He was put into a, a little wicker basket and thrown down, not thrown down, just, I'm, sure, I'm sure his mom gently put it into the river. You know, <laughs> you know and I just... You know, that's not how it happened. I mean, if it did, I want to see that DVD replay in heaven. But, <laughs> no, but, but Moses was saved, you know, through water. And you'll well, you see throughout, uh, I'll prove to you guys this morning that baptism and salvation are never meant to be two separate things. They were meant to be two in one together. We're meant to be a same event together because there's such prophetic power that happens in baptism. And when we're submerging you in water, because that's what it is, it's not just a little splash, but it's to dunk you in. It's like an Oreo cookie, you know? Like you just, you gotta submerge that sucker in there, right? Like the only way you could eat a dry Oreo cookie is by just eating the insides and throw away the rest. Right, anyone with me? Right? So it's like Jesus, prophetic of Jesus. He looks at the heart, not the flesh. You know the white gooey gooey is the is the heart. You know the outside just unless you could baptize it, right? And then if, you, if your fingers aren't getting wet, you know you're not doing it right, right? It's like you got to submerge that sucker in there. When the bubbles stop, you know, is what I think. I actually I got clever. I I use a fork when I eat Oreos. I stab the fork into the Oreo and I plunge it in. I baptize my Oreo. And when the bubbles stop. That's when I know the is good to be taken out. So that's how I learned how to baptize you guys. When the bubbles stop, <laughs> that's how I know you're good to be pulled back up, you know? And someone today, uh, you know, I, I was making that joke with Oreos and he came to me and he says, well, you know, John, I, I read this article about how Oreos actually have demonic symbolism on them. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's why I baptize them, you know? <laughs> There's not a single one of you. There's not a single one of you coming to Christ didn't have some kind of demonic symbolism on you one way or another, okay? But we baptize you, we wash away the idols. (laughs) I love how I just made Oreos kingdom-minded, you know? (laughs) And also, for all you health nuts out there, Oreos are vegan. They legitimately are. I have a friend of mine who's a hardcore vegan, like just strict vegan. And he tells me, he's like, John, I saw him eating Oreos one day. And I was like, how the heck are you eating Oreos? He goes, because they're vegan. So now when I go on a Daniel fast. <laughs> I shouldn't become a marketer for Oreos for Christians, you know. Oreos, Daniel fast approved. <laughs> Anyways. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's get holy now. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 10. How many of you guys just love their worship, Ben? Right? Like, we're so good. I'm gonna I start calling them Ben and the Glory Hogs. You know? Just Ben and the Glory Hogs. There you go. I love it. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at the first five verses. It says, moreover, brethren. I do not want you to be unaware of our fathers who under the cloud all passed through the sea and were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. So there's a couple of things here I want to point out. It says, so we all know the story or... We are, most of us are familiar, I should say, with the story of how Israel was enslaved in Egypt and you know, all the plagues come by and, and God just releases, causes Pharaoh to release the Israelites and are getting up to the Red Sea. And baptism is, the picture of the Red Sea, Paul tells us here, is a picture of baptism. It says when he walked through the Red Sea, they were being baptized into Moses. They were being baptized into the law of God. There's something so powerful and prophetic about that. You know, and then it says that they ate, they all ate of the same spiritual food and drank of the same spiritual rock, that they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them. Interesting. You guys remember, you remember how Moses, you know, Israel saying, hey, we need water. Then God tells Moses, hey, go talk to the rock. Then the rock starts gushing out water, right? It says that's the rock that they drank from. It says that rock followed them. Isn't that interesting? So I, I, I take that quite literally because they, they literally ate spiritual food and they literally drank spiritual drink. So why would Paul go from a literal interpretation to a figurative to back to literal? Right? It doesn't make sense. They were literally baptized in the cloud. They were literally baptized as they were walking through the Red Sea. They were immersed themselves into it. You know, the water was parted, but they literally immersed themselves to it. So I like that picture of the idea of this massive boulder literally followed Israel in the wilderness. <laughs> Think about that. It's like it's kind of like Indiana Jones story thing, right? Like you got the cloud of, by day, you got the pillar of fire by night, right? And uh, I can just picture some of the Israelites going, "Yeah, I'm sick and tired of following the cloud. It's moving, right? And all of a sudden the boulder." Oh, shoot. <laughs> God's going to make sure you stay on track one way or another, right? You know, I had one person tell me, he's like, well, they just, you know, it's like, well, how could it be that this giant boulder followed them? Like, listen, have you not read the supernatural acts of the Old Testament? Like, what's more easy to believe, that a boulder followed them or a pillar of cloud showed up? A pillar of fire shows up, and he followed a pillar of fire, Right? So the Old Testament is always pictorial, it's always prophetic of something. There's nothing in the Old Testament that is not prophetic about what we're living into the New Testament today. Right, so Jesus, he says, right here, he says, Christ was that rock. Christ followed the Israelites and the rock gushes out for water. What is that? It's baptism. Right? It's, a, it's a prophetic picture of baptism. And you'll see it as well, that Jesus dying on the cross, if you're taking notes, you can write this down in John 19, in verse 32 to 34, it says that when uh, he when came time, you know, it says that they broke the legs of the thieves that are on either side of the cross, but then they realized that Jesus was already dead. So what did they do? They pierced his side. right? And what, is, what flows out of his side? Water and blood. right? Jesus is the rock. Water starts flowing out of them. And then you'll see in Matthew uh, chapter 27, verse 50 to 53, it says when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Then Behold the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earthquake and the rocks were split. Why did the rocks split? Because Jesus is the rock and he was pierced. So it's a prophetic sign. He's, he's tying it all together with what happened in Israel in the wilderness. See, as this rock splits and starts gushing out water, same thing as today, Jesus, his side was pierced, and he gushes out water and blood. So I would actually say, submit this to you. It says that when you're baptizing people, the reason why baptism is so vitally important is just not as, as a prophetic sign. The water itself has no power, but what does the water represent? Could it possibly be that water actually represents the blood of Jesus? that you're submersing someone into the blood of Jesus. and you're, except Romans 6, it talks about, it says, I'll read that later on, but you get baptized into his death, into his burial, and you're pulled up into his resurrection. So could it be that, that the water actually represents the blood of Christ? And that's, that's because salvation and baptism was never meant to be separated. They were meant to be one in the same event. But turn with me to Ezekiel. Chapter 36, Ezekiel 36, in verse 24. Ezekiel, I believe, here actually prophesies about the effects of baptism that were going to come. You know, in baptism, like I said, it predates Christ, like in, in, in the flesh. Even there's so many, there's a lot of sects, of religious sects around the world that actually forbid people from joining their community until they get baptized. Early Jews, there's early Jewish movements that history will tell us that they wouldn't uh, allow someone to join their group until you were baptized and they would actually baptize them in tombs or in coffins. They filled, we have a horse trough, which is great, but they would actually have coffins. <laughs> Can you imagine having a coffin set up right in front of, like, yeah, we're gonna baptize you today in this coffin. <laughs> you know, but they would literally baptize people in coffins because of what baptism represents. It's a, it's a death to self. So Ezekiel uh, 36. Are you guys there? Yeah. Okay, wonderful. It says, "For I will take from among you from the nations among and gather you all, uh, you all countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. What's that? Baptism. And I will clean be, uh, you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness. And from all your idols, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and you will walk in my statutes and you will keep my my judgments and do them. Isn't that amazing? That Ezekiel prophesies, he's saying there's coming a day. We're going to gather you all together. I'm going to baptize you. And in that act, I am going to cleanse you. This water cannot cleanse you. Water cannot cleanse your physical body, sure. Right? But water by itself has nothing to it. But if we put together, we put together the fact that it's a spiritual act, that it's a prophetic resemblance of something. And you'll see throughout the whole Old Testament, prophets would always have a prophetic act to go alongside with the prophetic word. We'll even see it in the New Testament in Acts chapter 21. Remember, Paul, you know, this prophet comes to Paul and reaches up to him and snatches off his belt. That's just awkward, right? Do you imagine some prophet walks up to you and just reaches for your belt area? You know, first thing I'm doing is going, what are you, what's wrong with you, right? No, but he reaches for his belt, rips off his belt, and he, the prophet ties his hands and his feet together, and he gives Paul a prophetic word. He says, the owner of this belt will be drug away the same way that I am bound right now. Right, so it's, and the reason I believe why God uh, uh, does visual things is because, how, uh, because we're both learn uh, through audio, auditory senses, and visual senses, don't we? Yeah. How many of you learn purely by auditory senses, just hearing? Not too many of you. There's like 10 of you. How many of you learn through visual? The vast majority of you learn by seeing something get done. So God, being the master teacher that he is, he says, I'm not just going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to show you as well. Isn't that great? So baptism is actually a prophetic act that goes alongside with it. So I find it so interesting here in Ezekiel 36. He says, when I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Isn't that great? Baptism can set you free. Because if you're, see, water, like I said, water itself has no power. But if the water, if there's the faith and the obedience to the oracles that God told us to do, and we see as baptism, the water, a representation of the blood of Jesus, I will submerge someone into the blood of Jesus. It cleanses us. It purifies us. It says, I will remove all filth and all your idols. Isn't that great? In other words, he's saying, I will remove all your excuses. Because this is what an idol is. An idol is anything you need permission from first before you obey the Lord. Ooh. An idol is anything you need permission from first before you obey the Lord. This is why I see such resistance in people to get baptized. People will say, "Yeah, I'll give my life to Jesus." Well, let's just, let's get you baptized. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not too sure about that, right? Why? Because there's power in baptism that will cause you to forsake all of your idols and you truly make Jesus number one. Come on. on. There's people, like I see it all the time. There's people I know that need to get baptized. I'll say, hey, let's get you baptized. Uh... (laughs) Why? Because there's something in our heart that they don't want to give up. Right? Right? Because some are a soul that is saying that, no, I am sold out for Jesus. Okay, Jesus commanded us to get baptized. I'm in. Right? Right? A soul that is fully submitted to Jesus says, God, whatever you want, I will do. It's so interesting. There's a, a, an individual who j- recently got saved at our church. He was here the first service. And, and then uh, he shares a story of like when he got a, a, a tremendous transformation uh, through God. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but it's amazing how God's change has radically changed his life. And he's okay with me sharing this. And then he, he got, really got into philosophy. You know, he starts coming back, coming, I was meeting with him. And he's like, yeah, Marcus Aurelius says this and da da, da da Some of the stuff was like, yeah, it's not that bad, okay. I've got to be honest with you. I had to bite my tongue so hard it was bleeding. Because right? the Holy Spirit just said, don't worry, I got him. So he's saying stuff, and one day he says something, it's so far out there. And I'm like, no, i gotta, I got to correct this. You know, so in a loving way, I say, well, that's not really what the Bible teaches. And he goes, well, what does the Bible say? And I tell him, he goes, well, I don't believe that anymore. I believe this. Right? He just forsook the philosophy that he was learning as contradictory to the word of God and immediately grasped on to the Bible when he was shown the truth. Why? A soul submitted to the Lord will always obey and believe truth over deception first. Come on. So there's this place where, where it cleanses us of our idols, it cleanses us of our filth, and it says he'll put a new heart on the inside of us. See, doesn't that all sound like salvation to you? Right? Doesn't it all sound like salvation? Right, he says, I will put a new heart of flesh on the inside of you. And then he says, and I will put my spirit within you. What's that? It's a baptism of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? All right? So I truly believe that salvation, baptism, and a baptism of the Holy Spirit can happen all together at once. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I, I, oh, I remember when I first got saved, you know, they told me I had to wait, to, I, had to, I had to become more mature to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How do you expect me to mature without the Spirit? (laughs) You need to become more spiritually mature before you receive the Holy Spirit. How does that even work? How do you expect me to grow in Christ without the Spirit of Christ? (laughs) I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me. Right? But he says, I will pour out my Spirit inside of you. We'll see it time and time again. You know, when you baptize people, I always, tell, always give people opportunity to say, listen, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can receive it now. There's a phenomenal, amazing opportunity. There's something spiritual that takes place. There's an empowerment that takes place. I remember every year, my friend, uh, who, uh, Joe Sinan, and you guys, some of you may know who he is. He runs Contend Canada. They would have this uh, uh, event at the Olympic Plaza. This year, they called it uh, uh, Let Us Worship. Uh, and a little bit of a different focus, but previous years, the, uh, the water, you know, Olympic Plaza would, would stay there. This time, they drained it because of the sheer numbers that, that they were expecting. But we'd, and we'd take a kiddie pool, you know, an inflatable kiddie pool, and we'd put it in there, and we'd fill it up with water, because the Olympic Plaza is like that deep of water. So to baptize someone, you got to roll them over a couple times otherwise, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so we filled up this kiddie pool, so it's big enough so we could actually submerge people, right? And... Uh, and uh, we, I'd preach the gospel every hour. The bands would transition out, you know, like a six hour event. And I'd preach the gospel for 10, 15 minutes, and people were getting saved. And uh, every year we'd baptize about two dozen people. And most of them were, like, just, had just gotten saved. And then we'd, get them, we'd, we'd baptize. And I'd tell them, hey, listen, I'm going to baptize you, and weird stuff is going to happen. And they'd go, okay. Yeah. So, like, I'm, so don't worry about it. Just whatever happens, just let it happen. It's like, do you trust me? Do you trust Jesus is, God, is in control? And they go, yeah. So we'd baptize them. We'd yank them out. And immediately, I start praying in tongues over them and just rebuking demons, assuming there's something in there. right? And I would say 90% of them start manifesting demons. And then we just cast all the demons out. And then immediately, we get them filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, they're praying in tongues. One guy comes to me afterwards. He goes, what the heck just happened to me? He's like, one day, one moment here, I, 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 you, you tell me about Jesus, and I, I feel my heart gets touched, and I, I decide to give my life to Jesus. Then all of a sudden, my face feels like it's contorting, and different things start happening. I feel like there's a fire, like it's not a good one inside of me. And all of a sudden, nothing. I feel empty, but then I feel amazing. And all of a sudden, I start speaking this weird language. What the heck? And then that's when we sit them down. Well, this is what happened to you. Right. It's great. I absolutely love it. You know, as so we see it time and time again, a transformation stories in baptism. You know, baptism is not just a, let's plunge you in and pull you out, and we all, yay! You know, I like the yay, but there's more to it than that, right? It's, it's the ability to transform your life. Uh, Pastor Clive, can I get a microphone? And Mitch, why don't you come on up here? So uh, uh, so this springtime or so, you, you came came back to the Lord, came back to church, yeah. right? So you said you kind of, in 2008, you said you kind of gave to, came to church in B.C., but what was that like?
1: Yeah, so in 2008, I gave my life to Jesus for the first time, and I was kind of in and out of the church. Like, I'd start going to church hoping to feel something or something to be different in my life. Nothing would change, and then I would leave. And that kind of was a repetitive thing for years and years and years, always kind of wanting to feel something more, but never actually being satisfied.
0: Right, and then you start coming to Southside in the springtime, if I remember right? Yeah, it was like June-ish. June-ish, late spring, early yeah. summer. Yeah, you start, you start coming to Southside, and we started talking about baptism. And then, but also, so uh, we'll get into the baptism in a second, though, but you said, so you currently work with uh, Calgary Police Services, which is awesome, give him a hand for that. That's great. But in that as well, you experienced something traumatic.
1: I, yeah, so without getting into too many details, in January of this year, I was, went to an event where I had to stick my hand into somebody's throat and pinch off their carotid artery, and I held it for about 45 minutes until we got to the hospital, Um, and that started a journey for me down the route of trauma and PTSD.
0: Right, but something happened, though, right, after you got baptized, we baptized you in the river, which, you know, by the way, you don't have to get baptized in the church, I I baptize people in hot tubs, baptize people in rivers, I baptize them in, in, in... and bathtubs, I've baptized. One, my, one, my one friend, who she was a missionary in the Middle East, and she followed a nomadic tribe. And uh, they all got saved, and they was, the Lord told them to baptize them. And uh, in the desert, like nomadic tribes in the desert, right, water is a hot commodity. So they asked, like, God, well, how are we supposed to baptize? And he says, well, you're baptizing them into my death and burial. So she had them dig their own holes. She put them in the hole, parried them in sand, and then pulled them out. Isn't clever, right? I mean... It was awesome. But anyways, so what happened after your baptism?
1: So just to back up a tiny bit, throughout the process of me being in the church, there was always this inkling of like, you should get baptized, you should get baptized. And I always just kind of ignored it and pushed it off. And then when I came to the church here, it kind of, after we started meeting, it came back of you should get baptized, you should get baptized. And one day I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's just go get baptized because I feel like I'm supposed to. And it was honestly the most transformational moment of my life when I got dunked into the water and pulled back up. All of that like, guilt, shame, trauma, the heaviness that had been weighing on my shoulders for years and years and years was was gone. Um, and then from that, I started just really pushing into the Lord, because something inside of me was different. And since that point, like speaking in tongues, having visions with God, being in worship and being taken to places that I still can't even really explain what happens sometimes, but it's been incredibly life-changing.
0: Isn't that amazing? Right? Absolutely amazing. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate it. There's something powerful that takes place. Even though Mitch was Christian for a long time, there's something lacking, and that thing that was lacking was actually being baptized. It's amazing. It's not, like I said, I can't stress it enough. It's not just an act. It's something cute and fun that we do, it's, but it's actually a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. Even in Hebrews 10, I'll just read it to you. He kind of almost reiterates what Ezekiel says. It says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil consciousness and our bodies washed with pure water. So so it's this whole thing where baptism, there's something powerful that takes place. It will literally transform your life. And we're baptizing people today and we're gonna start seeing God absolutely transformed our lives moving forward. You know, when you heard me say that baptism and salvation were never meant to be two separate things. In fact, in the early church in the book of Acts, when Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, he's, he tells them, hey, repent and get baptized for the remission of sins. In fact, we'll read that in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. It says, then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, that you shall receive the gift of Holy Spirit, for the promises is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Isn't that amazing? So he doesn't say, pray the sinner's prayer. He doesn't say, turn to Jesus. He just says, no, no, repent and be baptized. And to repent, you know, I find in our modern day age, we don't really quite have a concept of what that is. If you go out into the streets, you know, sometimes you'll hear street preachers screaming at people, hey, repent and be baptized. You know, I, first time I heard the gospel, someone was screaming at me, telling me to repent. I mean, I thought he said to repaint. Yeah. And I was like I, don't like, I don't want to paint again. I, in fact, I haven't painted anything. I don't like painting. What are you talking about? I, the word just didn't... I just didn't, it wasn't a part of my vocabulary. But this is what repentance means. It simply put, means to change the way you think and go the other way. That's it. Just so Peter is saying, change the way you think, walk your life, live your life in a different way, and be baptized. The emphasis on that, of the salvation aspect of it, is the baptism part. Because in the ancient world, they knew baptism means that I am committing myself to whatever this cause is, to whatever this is. Baptism was not exclusive to Christianity. Multiple different religions and different beliefs actually practiced baptism in the ancient world. But they knew there's something in that. It's a symbolism of dying to self, dying to the old man, and coming back into a newness of life. There's something amazingly powerful that happens there. But we seem to have lost that concept in the Western world. There's a lot. One thing, as we read our Bibles, we need to realize that this Bible here, which is hopefully the same as your Bible, <laughs> if yours is different, then maybe you should reevaluate your Bible. <laughs> you know, different translation, of course. But this Bible here was not me- written to a Western mindset. It wasn't. It was written to an Eastern mindset, right? It was written to a, a, a Middle Eastern and uh, Western uh, European mindset. It was not written to you know, uh, a Western a Western philosophy, or nor was it written for a 21st century mindset either, right? We have to remember that these words were written 2,000 years ago, right, to a culture, to a time that had a different understanding. But we, in our modern living, we have steered away from spiritual living, Right? We, the world is still as spiritual, but we and our mindsets have steered away from spiritual living. For example, the same spirits that are in operation today are the same spirits that are in operation back then. For example, in, in the city of, a uh, little side note here, uh, the city of Galatia, right, historically, which, which Paul wrote to the Galatians, there is historically, there was this deity that required you to mutilate your genitalia. That's what you had to do to worship this deity. Well, what are we seeing today? This spirit, you can see it, if you look it up, you can see it in old uh, uh, scrolls and whatever else, its eyes had rainbows. This deity from thousands of years ago, it's the same spirit that is in operation today, right? So we see the same thing. So, but the culture then was so spiritual, they understood that what they're doing is a spiritual act. Today, we see it as, let's say, self-worth, self-whatever, it's, 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 it's not quite, um, uh, we don't see it as a spiritual thing. However, it is a very, very, very much so spiritual thing. Sometimes what we think is innocent is actually quite demonic, right? So some of our certain things, practices that we have, even within a part of our culture, we think it's just an innocent thing, but actually the roots of it all is actually demonic. It's actually demonic worship. But I digress. However, so now, we, we need to revisit our own spiritual roots in terms of our own Christian culture, right? The Christian culture is, is, is not just about, oh, I go to church on Sunday. No, no, it's you become a spiritual being by becoming a Christian. You embrace the spiritual life, the spiritual dynamic behind it, realizing that I am no longer living for myself. I'm no longer living for today, but I'm now living for eternity. Amen. Come on. well we have the... Uh, when we, understand the concept of I'm not living for today and the comfort of today, but I'm living for eternity, our whole perspective begins to shift and change. Amen. So if we're living for the comforts of today, you will be severely disappointed upon death. Yeah, that's right. yeah. You will be severely disappointed. Do I like comforts? Absolutely. You know, that's why we have our water here hot. I'm telling you, it's so warm and cozy right now. You're not going to want to come up Right, you gotta be in there, and you go like, no, let me just get, let me let me get a book and some candles here. Right, this feels this feels comfortable right here. Right, That's, so we, we believe in our creature comforts. You know, we appreciate them. However, we don't live for today. We when we develop that spiritual mindset and realize that today is practice for eternity. That me living today is actually God giving me the opportunity to accumulate reward for myself by presenting Jesus to people, by living the Godly life, by, by, by expanding the kingdom of God so that I could live, quote, unquote, you know, the comfortable life, if I could put it that way, in it throughout eternity. Amen. James says that our life is but a vapor. Yeah. Just gone. Right? So we don't live for today. Right? So if you need to change your mindset, then you need to switch up your mindset. I have a couple of scriptures real fast to look at, and then we'll uh, we'll, we'll get into some baptisms. In 1 Peter 3.18-21, So Christ also suffered once for sin, for the just and the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, made alive by the Spirit, by whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering awaited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which... Uh, A a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype, which now saves us, baptism. That's literally what it says. It says, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of the good consciousness towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Salvation and baptism were never meant to be two separate events. They're meant, once again... To be one in the same. So if you are a born-again believer and you have yet to be baptized, let me urge you and press you, you gotta get baptized. There's something powerful that takes place. And I will say that you know, if you haven't been baptized, but you've given your life to Jesus, does that mean you're not saved? No, that's not what I'm saying whatsoever. But I'm saying you're living with a handicap, if I could put it that way, without being baptized. There's something powerful in the baptism. Now, if you are getting baptized uh, if you, uh, this, this morning, now's a great time for you guys to go get changed. Uh, we have the, the washrooms in the back, change into your baptism outfits. I don't know what you want to call it. Just whatever change of clothes that you have, That would be a good time for you guys to go do that. Or if you're saying that, hey, I, I want to get baptized. I, have not, I haven't registered to be baptized. You know, not that we're registering people, you know. <laughs> but yeah, just for numbers sake. But you're saying, hey, I want to get baptized, but I haven't put my name down for it. Uh, we actually have a, a change of clothes for you guys that you could wear. Uh, so, if you want, you could actually go back there and you could change as well. So, we want to open it up for whoever wants to get baptized this morning. We can definitely get baptized. So, Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> in verse 1 it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of you as were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized in his death? Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. Verse 5 for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Man, that is a powerful, powerful, powerful piece of scripture right there. Something mighty. Not only does God cleanse us in baptism. He removes the idol. He removes all the filth. He removes all these things that you seem to be struggling with. Just kind of like how Mitch, he says, there's things that he was struggling with, his shame and all these different things. You know, the, yeah, the, Just also maintaining that, that consistency and fire and passion for the Lord. There was something lacking. It was baptism. And as soon as he gets baptized, a shift takes place in his life. The same shift can happen for you if you have not been baptized this morning. Amen. The same shift can take place. So as you're here and you're saying that you haven't been baptized, but you want to, like I said, there's opportunity for you to get baptized today. And here's the powerful thing that happens here. Paul says, he says so the whole context is says, should we continue to sin? He says, certainly not. He says, don't you know that when you were baptized, you died to sin? Amen. Oh, isn't that powerful? It says, you died to sin. you ever hear that concept of, that person is dead to me? You ever heard that term? Yes. Right. It's an ancient belief system. That when someone made a statement, you are now dead to me. That person would never think about you again. They would never talk about you. They would never do anything about you. They would just ignore, you could be in the same room with them, they wouldn't even look at you. They would look right through you. Because they were dead to you. As if, whole, when you made that pronunciation upon someone, it was your, they're literally saying, I'm going to live my life as if you never existed. That's the statement that Paul makes here. He says, you are dead to sin. So he says, you are going to live your life as if sin was never a part of your being. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. He says, you will look at sin. You will look right through sin. You will look right through it. Temptation is going to come. But you're going to look right through it. You're going to look right through it. Because you're no longer a slave to sin. See, before sin comes by and says, hey, here's temptation for you. And because you were a slave, you had no choice but to obey. But now you have been freed. Freed from the law of sin and death. Sin can no longer touch you. You now make the choice. You'll keep on reading in, in, in 1 Corinthians 10. You know, uh, uh, Paul talks about the baptism that happened in the cloud, you know, in, in, in the water. And he goes on, he says, don't live the life like these people. And you can read it. He says, don't go around, you know, being lustful. Don't have sexual immorality. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. But then afterwards it says, but with the temptation, God creates the way of escape. He says that God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. Isn't that amazing? Because the law of sin and death has been broken over you. Isn't that so good? So if you're living this morning, and you are, all of you are living this morning, but if you're living your life this morning stuck in sin, you haven't had your sins forgiven you, you've never given your life to Jesus, tell you today is a day of salvation for you. Today is a day where the power of sin and death can be broken over you in a moment. Just in a moment, just like that. On the cross, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus became sin for us. That means all past sin, all present sin, and all sins of the future. Jesus took it all. The Father took all the sin, made it into one ugly, disgusting package. And he put it all upon Jesus. And Jesus became, he inhabited sin. So you and I wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. He says he did that so we could become his righteousness. He'll wash us from the guilt, from the shame, from the condemnation of sin, from the penalty of sin. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, I hate to say it, but it's true. You are a slave to sin. Sin will rule your life. You'll never find satisfaction. You'll never find true peace and true happiness. Jesus says, I give you peace, but not like the peace of the world. Which means it's an internal thing. Inside of you, you'll know that I'm in right standing with God. That God does not have any animosity towards me. There's nothing separating us. So if you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In fact, I want everyone to pray this prayer. But maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, well, I've I've given my life to Jesus once upon a time, but I walked away from that commitment. But I want to make it right again. I want to come back in the right standing with God, that I want to pray with you as well. But if, you've all, if you fit one of those two things, I definitely want you to, to pray with conviction in your heart and with humility. But I want every, all of us to pray together. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you're raised from the dead. I believe that you were raised from the dead. Help me to live for you. Help me to live for you. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. Cleanse me from all my sin. Cleanse me from all my sin. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, or you walked away, you once upon a time prayed a prayer like that, but you walked away from its commitment. And he said, "This morning I prayed that I meant it. I want you to lift up your hand, real nice and high. Is anyone here? Awesome, bless you, bless you, bless you. I was feeling just to clarify. Is when I say you walked away from the commitment, I'm not talking about I sinned this week and and you know I, I I'm coming back to Jesus. Oh no no no, I mean you abandoned the commitment of that call, or you've never prayed that prayer. Just lift up your hand, nice and high. Is there anyone here? Anyone else? Awesome, bless you over here. Anyone else?" Anyone else? I'll give you you plenty of opportunity. Awesome. Bless you guys. Best decision you'll ever make in your life. Anyone else? Anyone else? Awesome. Bless you. Anyone else? I'm going to look from my right to my left real fast. And if anyone else, just throw your hand up when I'm looking. Is there anyone else? Best decision you'll ever make. Turning your life to Jesus is the best thing you'll you ever do in your entire life. Doesn't matter; you could win the lottery, and it'll be a second best thing. The best thing is Jesus. He'll tell, he'll, he'll release you from everything—all the shame and guilt and pain. So Jesus even says that He won't just heal our hearts, but He would heal our bodies as well. Isn't that amazing? So, if those of you guys who are saying you want to get baptized, why don't you just come on up, line up over here? We'll start, Pastor Clive and I will start uh, submerging you guys like Oreos. Sorry, on this side, on my left side, your right side. So come on up over here if you're getting baptized everyone come on up over here where pastor clive is if you're getting baptized or if you're saying like hey i you know i i, I want to get baptized i didn't put my name down for baptism but i want to get baptized come on up over here on my left side give my a hand as they come up come on come on praise god Come on, yeah. come on! Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Even just spontaneously, you're saying, you know what? You're saying, I just need to get baptized. Awesome! Praise God. Also, family members. Also, you have family members. If you are a family member or a friend, or you want to take pictures, or you're just saying you're a glory hog and you want to get involved, uh, just, just come on up. Just uh, sit in the front rows to keep the for the cameras. We want to keep things clear here. we well, coming up to the front row. Awesome, praise God. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Thank you for joining us online today. We hope you enjoyed the service. If you'd like more information about Southside Victory Church, download our app from the App Store, follow us on social media, or check out our website at svcf.ca. If you'd like to hear more from Pastor Craig, you can check out www.timesofrefreshing.com or follow Times of Refreshing on social media to see if he's speaking in a city near you. You can connect with the church anytime, give us a phone call or send us an email. Thanks again for joining us in building a community of believers together. We'll see you next week.